Hey guys, I'm excited about today's episode, but before we introduce today's special guest, I want to tell you about some of the folks that help make this podcast possible. Our friends at First Baptist North Spartanburg. First North exists to connect people to God and one another through Jesus Christ, to help them grow in their relationship with Him, and to serve others in the name of Jesus. You can join them in worship led by the choir and orchestra at 9 a.m. or led by the worship band at 11 a.m. each Sunday. Bible Fellowship is in between at 10 a.m. There's something exciting happening for all ages at First North. You can find them on Facebook or online at firstnorth.org, or you can give them a call at 864-578-0509. Again, 864-578-0509 to find out more. Also, our friends over at Avio Sullivan Healthcare. They've been the go-to for chiropractic care in Spartanburg since 1977. At Abby O'Sullivan, they realize some people are nervous about traditional chiropractic care and they don't want to hear their joints pop during adjustments. So they have other techniques along with traditional chiropractic to help you no matter your preference. If you've been thinking about trying chiropractic, let me help you with that decision. My family and I have been patients for years and are grateful for the doctors and the great staff. They have gotten us up and running again in some pretty difficult times. I highly recommend giving them a try. Plus, if you mention this podcast, they'll donate 100% of the first day's fees back to Impact Sports. So call them at 864-583-3967. Again, 864-583-3967. Or visit ivosullivan.com today to feel better and to function at your best. Welcome to the I Say All That to Say This podcast, an outreach of Impact Sports International. We seek to use sports as a vehicle to take the gospel to the hard to reach, to the lost, and to the forgotten, whether that is just 10 minutes down the road or on the other side of the world. Here's your host, John Andrews. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Say All That to Say This podcast. I'm your host, John Andrews. As you probably know by now, I was reading through Psalms and Proverbs earlier this year when I ran across Psalm 33, verses 2 and 3. David says this, Praise the Lord with the melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the ten-stringed harp. Sing a song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. Now, I would assume that most of you listening do not play the harp, and you probably don't even know what a lyre is. But I don't think that was the point David was making. I think what David was really saying here is that we all have an instrument to play, but it's up to us to play our instrument skillfully. Now, I can't sing or play a musical instrument, but God did give me an instrument to play for his glory, and he's given you one too. It could actually be music, could be sports, could be business, could be teaching or speaking. But what David was saying is whatever your instrument is, Play it skillfully. And there's only one way to develop skill, and that's through hard work and repetition. So during this series, we've been talking to people with all kinds of instruments and how they are honing their craft so they can play it skillfully for God's honor and glory. And that brings me to our guest today. Will Brown just finished his collegiate football career and graduated in 21 from Clemson University and will be graduating with your MBA in December. Is that correct? That's right. Will Brown, welcome to I Say All That to Say This. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I've known you since you were little. In fact, I recently saw a picture of you as a second or third grader at an Impact Sports basketball camp. I think, if I remember right, you even had a cone on your head and you were doing defensive slides. It, it doesn't surprise me that I had a cone <laughs> on my head. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that I was doing defensive slides because that was the only thing I was good at in basketball <laughs> was playing some defense. I was scrolling through my phone earlier looking for some uh, pictures of a younger me for a video, and, and I actually saw a picture of me wearing an Impact Sports basketball jersey at a yeah. camp. So I might have been doing those defensive slides. Hey, everybody <laughs> needs a defensive stopper. That's right. Right? A defensive specialist. Hey, we're going to talk about your time at Clemson in a minute, but you're more than just a Clemson football player. Uh, certainly you've, you've gained some notoriety over the last few years because of that opportunity that God gave you. But I want to go back before Clemson. Because uh, like I said, I've known you since you were small. Uh, tell us your story. What sports did you play growing up? 
what made you eventually settle in on football? And, um, and then ultimately, I want to ask you the question because you're a pretty sharp guy. You're about to graduate with a master's. What's your ma- uh, master's going to be in? I'm getting my MBA okay. in corporate so, business. Corporate business. Yes, sir. And you already have a job lined up. You're going to be in Charleston. That's right. Uh, working with medical devices and, and stuff that's way above my pay grade. So the the last question, one, what? tell me kind of your backstory. Um, tell me about your, your sports background and then why you eventually ended up with football. And then through that whole time, obviously you had to balance your academics and your athletics. So talk about that balance too. Yes, sir. So from very early on, um, I obviously had, I had our older brother, um, Zach and I had a younger brother, Davis. Um, we're all two years apart. And so from a very young age, we were always competing with one another. We were Mm -hmm. always, uh, getting after it. We were always getting super frustrated with one another, probably more so than, than what we needed to. Um, but my mom tried, my mom and dad both tried to keep us in line. Um, but that was something that that was always super important to us was playing sports and competing with one another. Uh, so we did that from a very young age. Fortunate enough, we we moved into a neighborhood um, when, whenever I was younger in in middle school that had a ton of young people in it, mm-hmm. and so we would have ten to fifteen young people at our house pretty much every day during the summer and then on the weekends during the school year. And we'd be playing wiffle ball. We'd be playing front yard football with my dad as all time quarterback. You name it, we did it. And mm. so that was all we knew from a very young age. And so obviously transitioning from that, um, we we played organized sports. And so uh, we always played basketball, football, and baseball. Those are kind of the big three right. in, in our family, and that's what we stuck to. And so, um, but it was very clear early on, too, that I, w- I wasn't quite the basketball player <laughs> that, that my brothers were when they were younger. So um, I ended up playing basketball um, in uh, middle school for Rainbow Lake Middle School. Yeah. I played my seventh grade year. Uh, made it my eighth grade year, but but realized how bad I was. I did I did my first practice and then decided that I was going to go wrestle instead. Um, along with that too, I, I played played baseball um, and football for Bowling Springs all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, having two brothers, it was always good competing with them. And then I, my dad, um, he owns a company in Gaffney, South Carolina, and they mm-hmm. do meat processing. And then my mom is was a stay-at-home mom and was at everything and with yeah. us and everything. So it was a lot of fun being able to. Did you, uh, with your your with your older and younger brother being two years apart, did you have a chance to play with them at any point? Yeah, I did. I played mostly with my older brother, Zach. We played yeah. some travel baseball together, okay. but we never ended up playing football or basketball together, just gotcha. a little bit of baseball. How was that? It was good. Yeah. I, I I didn't play a whole lot. I ran, I stole bases. That's okay. about it. Well, all right. I'm I'm, I'm we're uh, we're tracking here and starting a pattern that will eventually lead us to another discussion. So you're a defensive stopper in That's basketball, right. That's right. defensive specialist. So you you got to be able to move. And you're the uh, you're the pinch runner for the baseball team. That's right. All right. I could, so, I could run. So. so run fast and catch. I think we're 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 heading towards something here. Um, what about um, what about academics? Uh, tell us about the importance, and and I'm going to ask this question just and ask you to be transparent. Um, tell us about the importance of your parents, the 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 uh, how they stress the importance of academics, and then did that actually take, or were you just naturally intelligent? Um, I would say it was a mix of several different things. Yeah, I think for one, I think Tracy Brown, which is my mom, for those that don't know, she was very strict when it came to school. Right. Um, for her, if we did not have above a ninety, then she would take our phone. And Ooh. I thought it was ridiculous at the time, but it ended up serving me well whenever I got later into high school um, because I was able to get into Clemson, um, did well in like the standardized testing and everything. Was able to get into Clemson and then did really well academically at Clemson, but. Um, it was very frustrating because she was very strict at the time on school, but ended up serving us really well. And then obviously um, I was somebody that wanted to do well at the things that I was doing. Yeah. And so I was very committed to, to doing well at school on my own. Right. So my mom definitely started it, Laid but I was able to yeah. keep it going. Yes, sir. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, uh, you graduated from Bowling Springs. Tell us about the recruiting process. If there was, or did you just show up day one? Because you you were a walk on. You're uh, you started out as a walk on at Clemson. Tell talk us through the process of you leaving Bowling Springs and getting to Clemson. Yeah. So my my parents uh, from a very young age, all I can remember is them taking my brothers and I to Clemson football games. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a smaller guy. I'm five eight, one eighty. Yeah. And I was a little bit smaller than that through high school. 
And all I remember is going and watching Coach Sweeney, the Clemson football team, run down the hill, play in Death mm. Valley, yeah, um, that whole nine yards. And yeah. so I was super fascinated with the thought of possibly playing one day at Clemson. Hmm. And so from probably my junior year into my senior year, I, I'd always been pretty good at football, but I thought maybe there was an oppor- there would be an opportunity to play at Clemson. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fortunately, my ninth grade year, uh, Bowling Springs hired Chad Deal uh, to be the new strength coach, which he right. played at Clemson under Coach Sweeney, and we hit it off from the very beginning. And then getting into my senior year, uh, Chad Deal obviously had great relationships with Coach Sweeney, Coach Pierman, Coach mm-hmm. Elliott, all those guys, and he got me on the recruiting list uh, for a game. Or but rewind. Um, I'd actually seen Coach Sweeney. We had been in a seven-on-seven tournament over the summer. Okay. And Daniel High School was playing in that same tournament. Mm-hmm. And I go up, introduce myself to Coach Sweeney after a game. I'm, like, super nervous, but he's really excited to meet me, even though he doesn't know who I am. I'm just some <laughs> young kid with wide eyes. Yeah. And so we end up actually playing Daniel High School in the seven-on-seven tournament. Yeah. And my mom and my aunt, who are – crazy Clemson fans go up to Coach Sweeney and they're talking to him, telling him about me, and he's like, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, like driving him crazy. I'm sure he's never had a mother come to him and tell him how great her, her child was. It, it ended up working out, though, because he, <laughs> he at least knew who I was because yeah. when we played Daniel High School, um, I ended up having a really good game, and, yeah. and Bowling Springs ended up winning that 7-on-7 seven seven tournament, and okay. I won an MVP trophy right. for that tournament, and I sent a picture of it all to – Chad Dill and Chad Dill then forwarded it to Coach Sweeney and and that's kind of where it all started and then that's when he got me on the recruiting list and then after the game it was actually the NC State game a couple years back uh, the year they won the national championship that right. it, it went into overtime and NC State uh, missed that field goal to win it and then I saw Coach Sweeney in the locker room after the game and that's where he offered me the preferred walk on spot. Wow, that's awesome. Yes, sir. So did you um, was it Clemson or bust? Did you consider playing football somewhere else? For me, it was. Okay. Um, I'd had it. I'd had a couple offers um, from North Greenville to play football and baseball uh-huh. um, from Limestone College and then Union College up in Kentucky. Yep. But I knew I always wanted to be at Clemson. I was either going to be a student there and try to do the walk-on tryout, or I was going to try to get a preferred walk-on. Or okay. I don't know. I wanted to be at Clemson no matter what. Right. And then it just happened to work out in a really cool way. Um, so we had talked to Coach Sweeney, and he had told me that if I could get into school, then he would give me an opportunity. And I got my acceptance letter, and I sent it to Chad Deal. And then once again, Chad Deal sent it to Coach Sweeney. And then Coach Sweeney, I'm walking into Krispy Kreme right down the road. Yeah. And I get a call from this number in Clemson. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. And I answer, and I say, hello. And he says, Will Brown, this is Coach Sweeney from Clemson. Do you have some time to talk? And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> and so that's when he kind of These donuts me, can wait. That's right. <laughs> and so that's when uh, he told me that, that – because I'd been accepted into school that I had a spot on the team and, and everything. So That's it was awesome. a really sweet moment and dream come true for me. Well, did you go in and get the donuts? Or you think, oh, I, I have to start. I got to take my train to another level. Oh, I, I had to celebrate. I was getting some donuts. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. So you get to Clemson. You're a walk-on. Uh, you go early before any of the students get there. You're a freshman. Um, and you're walking around 23-year-old men, right? Uh, you you're you said five eight one eighty. I don't think you entered college at one eighty. What were you when you entered college? I was probably a little over one seventy. So okay. I, I was I had always been pretty filled out, which right. was which was helped was to my advantage. So sure. I didn't have a lot of catching up to do whenever I got to Clemson because one eighty. If you're five eight and anything over about one eighty five, you just kind of get pudgy and yep. slow. And so I wanted yeah. to stay quick, especially being a slot guy. And so. Yeah. Um, I, w- I was fortunate enough to have a good strength program at Bowling Springs, and so I, f- I showed up ready to roll. Gotcha. Yes, sir. Still, though, you're on the field now with guys that are twice you. Yeah, they <laughs> were definitely twice me. Or, or at least eat you for dinner the night before, That's you know. Right. Uh, what was that like entering in? And you're a walk-on, so you're probably on the scout team, right? And, uh, you know, the, the uh, I was a walk-on in basketball. But being a walk-on on the basketball team, being a walk-on on the football team, carries with it a different level of uh, physical um, sacrifice. Let's call it that. So talk us through what it was like to be on the scout team. Going into it, I left off from a really good senior season mm-hmm. where Bowling Springs had been to its 
first ever state championship. It was an incredible moment. I was so excited. I was like, I'm about to go to Clemson and I'm about to play. Yeah. Like, nobody's telling me I'm not playing. That's right. And then I pull up to Clemson and I start seeing these guys and I'm talking to this guy. His name's AJ Terrell, who ended up going first round to the Falcons, I think two years ago. I'm talking to him. I'm assuming he's a safety, and I'm like, "What position do you play?" And he then he tells me he's he plays corner, and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> this dude's like four inches taller than me, probably fifteen to twenty pounds heavier than me, and I'm like, "This ain't it." Like I'm I'm in trouble, and so um, I just remember being so intimidated by everything. Um, just I got there and I was I I was so confident going into it, and then you get there and you realize why the program is what it is, and mm-hmm. why they had just come off winning their their that last national championship against Alabama. Mm-hmm. Like the dudes are dudes, yeah. and they can play. They're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger than anything that I ever saw in Spartanburg, South Carolina, that right. I played against. Right, and so and we come from a good region of, of football with sure. Burns and Dorman and and Gaffney and Burns and all those guys, and so I felt confident. That I was going to be able to perform, and I get there, and they're they they're literally getting three, four, and five star guys from all over the country, the best of the best. And I saw that very quickly. Mm. Not only that, I'd struggled with some hamstring issues early on, which definitely ended up at the time it was very frustrating, but definitely ended up shaping and molding me and making me mm. to who I am right now. Um, but that also made it tougher because I could didn't feel like I could perform at my highest level either because I was battling ha- some hamstring issues along with. All right, so you mentioned uh, how it helped shape you and mold you to who you are today. Let's back up. We were talking about your your uh, your your backstory. Tell us about your faith journey. Yeah. Tell us about your your uh, your story with Jesus. From a very young age, that was something that my mom, just like school, uh, was very uh, strict in. They were going to make sure that we were in church every Sunday, every Wednesday. They wanted to make sure that if you skipped church, did she take your phone? Uh, she, we we had no option. There was no skipping church in our family, which okay. which looking back on it was the best thing that she could have ever done. She, um, my mom is a very disciplined woman, and she, mm. and she instilled those things in me. And I feel like it's it's still um, that's what's carrying me now. Yeah. Um, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing that I do is spend time with Jesus. Mm. I saw my mom do that every single morning, and so now that's something that that I'm living out in my daily life the same way that I saw my mom, mm. and so. And and my dad, obviously, too, but my dad was working a lot yeah, in the morning, gone. and so sure. I wasn't able to see him in the morning. Um, but anyways, I had started following Jesus at a very young age. Um, it was something that I was always super excited about and passionate about, but I would say probably my ninth grade years when it started to get a little more serious for me. Mm-hmm. I started to get more of a heart and a passion for other people. I wanted to see people see Jesus. I wanted mm-hmm. to see people experience the love of Jesus. And... Um, that's when I kind of started figuring out what it looked like for me to to spend a daily quiet time, to spend time reading scripture. Um, I think I think the first book of the Bible that I ever read was Romans, and I, yeah. I remember laying on my floor in my room and reading Romans and just thinking it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and I, I remember then, all the way through high school, I, I was following Jesus. Um, I had a great group of friends that I was doing it with, so it made it really easy sure. uh, to— pursue God when you yeah. have people that you're doing it with. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I leave Bowling Springs, so I'd spent my high school years very sheltered, very um, kind of in a bubble, honestly, right. um, with with the great friends, a great family. Everyone around me that I was really close to was following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I'd never been anywhere where that wasn't the case. And so I remember we lost the Upper State Championship against Northwestern um, in baseball. Mm. And I was so distraught because I knew that that was the last time that I was ever going to play with those mm-hmm. guys that I'd grown up playing with my whole life. Yeah. And I was so upset. And I remember laying on my bed, I was like, Lord, I don't know what's coming. I don't know what the people are like at Clemson, but I'm asking you to do immeasurably more than I could ask or imagine. Mm. And then I get to Clemson. I've been there five years. I just moved out last week. And I can say that without a doubt, he did immeasurably more than I could ask or imagine. Wow. I could probably say I have... 40 to 50 people that I could sit down with and have a true, genuine, heartfelt, Jesus-centered conversation. Mm. And it's something that that I I can't even really put words to, but having people in your corner that truly care about investing in you as a human being and as a follower of Jesus, um, that changed everything for me. And so from having mentors, from having peers, from having small group uh, with guys on the team, with guys that were just students at Clemson, from being involved in New Spring Church, all that just yeah. totally transformed me as a human being and is, is sh- continuing to shape me and will be the foundation that I'll stand on for the rest of my life. Mm. 
that's great that's uh to hear you uh you say it was in ninth grade when i really started um you didn't say these words but this is what you this is what you said it became your own right Tracy made you get up, got you ready for church, took you to, you know, took you to church. Dave was right there. You heard your mama, you know, y'all get in the car, let's go. But um, there's a, there's a point, and, and this was, this was my, my story, and I've seen it played out so many more times over since. There's a point where every kid that grows up in a Christian home has to make it their own. It can no longer be their parents' religion, right? And so we, you know, we travel and we go to all kinds of places with all sorts of foreign cultures and foreign religions. And you ask the question, uh, so you're Muslim? Yes. Why? Because my parents were. Oh, you live in this Buddhist country. Are you Buddhist? Yes. Why? Because my parents were. Or because I belong, I'm this nationality, right? Uh, to be uh to be a citizen of this country means that I am this. And and there's never that personal uh, relationship, which obviously separates Jesus from any other world religion. But at the same time, even in this culture, kids are always, and you know, my, my kids are now in college and, and we're they're for the most part out of the house. And, you know, you wonder, did, did, did we do enough? Right. But at some point it had to go beyond mom and dad's, custom mom and dad's tradition mom and dad's religion even mom and dad's relationship with jesus has got to be mine and to say you know you started that in ninth grade you're way ahead of the curve you've got yeah you've got to be able to find it for yourself and that's what was the most beautiful part early on at clemson i'd moved in i remember i'll never forget it was a june 25th um and i move into clemson um this is your freshman year. this is my freshman year first summer i'm scared to death like i i don't hardly know anybody um, and then I remember f- weekends and everything, still don't really know anybody, trying to develop some community. Um, the guys that I knew, they were going to parties. They were trying to find things to do. They were finding girls to hook up with. And I, I remember sitting in my apartment and just being like kind of crying and just praying like, like is this what this the next four years is going to be? Me feeling like I'm compromising the college dream or the college life to – just sit in my apartment and have no fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but now looking back on it, as a 23-year-old, the 18-year-old Will Brown had no idea what was in store and the fulfillment that the Lord would provide mm. um, from a community perspective. And so what I would do, what anybody who's listening, I would encourage you to keep sticking it out. Don't mm. grow weary um, because at the proper time, you're going to reap a harvest mm. of blessing if you keep doing the right thing. I'm reading in Deuteronomy this morning, and um, it's talking about what happens with obedience and what happens with disobedience. And I'm telling you that that the Lord's got really good things, um, maybe not from a worldly perspective, but from a spiritual, mm. holistic perspective, the Lord's got really good things in store for you um, if you choose to to follow Him. So mm. That's keep good. chasing it. Yeah. Uh, you, you've, you've shared that experience, and, and you said 40 or 50, I think, people that you could sit down and have a deep Jesus conversation with. Were all those... Football players, or were there other athletes, other students? Tell me about your community. All of the above. Um, it, it, that's what I think made it very special to me. Um, I, I made a commitment very early on that I didn't want all of my friends to just be football players. I wanted to make sure that I got plugged in with some people that were just there because they wanted to be at Clemson and were yeah. students at Clemson. And so I got plugged in with good communities on both ends, um, which was incredible. Um, and so – I had great people on the football team like Darian, like Trevor, like Jason Hopper, um, all those guys, Hamp Green, Will Sweeney, like all those guys, great followers of Jesus, um, had that great community on the football side. And then outside of it, I had great community within the Clemson community that was Hmm. pouring into me and developing me. And so to get perspectives from both, but also football's a lot. Being yeah. at Clemson and playing football, it's it's a full time job, sure. and so to be able to hang out with some people that weren't doing that on a daily mm-hmm. basis was definitely a, a refreshment for me, and was gave me an out um, to get away from some of that stuff. So I needed that type of community as well, just so to give my mind a break from the constant pressure that I felt over there. And then along with that, I, I was fortunate enough to get super close um, with some of the pastors at New Spring and Dan mm-hmm. Leanne and Brad Cooper and those guys, Kurt Frisbee. 
and they were some of the most unbelievable people that I ever met. Mm. And they poured life and wisdom and truth and, and tough love into me, which yeah. I needed as a young 18, 19, 20-year-old. Sure. So. Hmm. Well, uh, you talk about the guys at New Spring uh, pouring into you. Um, I think Dabo's story, his testimony is is well known. He's a, he's a follow, an outspoken follower of Jesus. So for the Clemson fans, uh, the diehard Clemson fans, but even even some Carolina fans too, um, because I heard I was not there the night uh, he spoke, but Dabo recently spoke here and told everybody, hey, I, I know that half of you guys in here don't like me, <laughs> right? Uh, and you like that other team and, you know, uh, a little bit farther south, uh, but you've got a good one. And um, it, you could just tell that he's he, he's deeper than football, right? He's bigger. His his mindset is, is on more than just football. Uh, what was it like to play for Dabo? What kind of influence did he have on your life? Um, and that – how many walk-ons in any, any given year? How many walk-ons are on the team? There's 85, Scott. It might right? be 80, actually. I think it's 85, actually. I think 85. They just lowered it 83, I think. But yeah, that was... and so and then you had – we had typically until this past year we had 120 people on the roster. So okay. the rest of those were walk-ons. This past so you year you had 30-plus yeah. walk-ons. Okay, so were you guys a community in and of yourself? Because you were all facing oh, – yeah. dealing with everything that – Nobody else had to deal with. Most of us were. We would go through this thing called Power Hour, um, okay. which was most of the uh, walk-ons or new freshmen that weren't necessarily ready to play that freshman year or mm-hmm. were needed that freshman year. We'd go through Power Hour, which is everybody goes to segment meetings uh, with their position coach, and we go and get huge with Coach Batson in the weight room. Okay, and so that that definitely uh, set me up really well. But then just going back to Coach Sweeney, um, now is Coach Batson also the get back coach? Uh, the that's Coach, always... Coach Smo's the okay. get-back coach. Always behind yes, Coach Coach Smo just got a job up at, at Virginia with uh, okay. Coach Elliott. So right. we were sad to lose him, but Coach Smo is incredible. Yeah, Coach Batson's great dude, too. All right, sorry. Really Power good. hour. Power hour, and then uh, to just answer your question about Coach Sweeney, um, there he is built on not what or how he does anything, but the why behind it. Hmm. And so – he believes that if if you choose to live your life in a way that is built on the why instead of the what or the how, then you'll be successful at anything. Mm. So for me, um, early on, my why at Clemson was I want to play. Yeah, I want to be able to play football. I want to be uh, out there on Saturdays. I want to return kicks. I want to catch touchdowns. That was my why. Sure. And little did I know, the Lord slowly ended up transforming that why into my my senior year, which my why was I I finally found it that was truly and intentionally pursuing those around me in a way mm. that they would be able to see Jesus and see the love of Christ by the way that I treated them and the way that I pour out um, wisdom, any type of communication, whatever. Mm-hmm. The way that I look like that, that ended up being my why in my last year, and it, it has served me really well. And so, but Coach Sweeney's built on that. Every single, every single day uh, before practice, he's literally talking for forever. Um <laughs> Sharing his faith, yeah. sharing truth, sharing with wisdom. the team you're talking about. With the whole okay. team, we'd have team meetings every single day. Gotcha. Um, and would always be pouring out some type of wisdom. He mm. was he was so intentional with making sure that the main thing was the main thing, mm. and that that Jesus Christ is his savior, and he wanted to share that with his team, which I always loved, and it yeah. always inspired me. And and to bid off that too is he was more concerned about every body's thirty, forty, fifty year old version of themselves than he was mm. about who they were right now. So what he always says is he likes to serve people's heart and not their talent. Mm. So if he had a really good player that got in trouble in class and was skipping class and doing all these things, he wasn't just going to turn a blind eye to it just because right. they were a good player. Yeah, He was going to make sure that, that he ripped them a new one to make sure that they, their 30-year-old version of themselves will be able to look back and be thankful for a Coach Sweeney that held them accountable. And not everybody responds super well to that. Yeah. And so, But if you stick it out and if you stay in the process and don't give up and don't quit – and don't fold, then then you you will truly walk out after three, four, five years at Clemson as a brand new man, ready mm-hmm. to do literally anything in the world, and that's what I feel like I'm prepared to do now. Well, it, this that's a good segue into this. I was I was looking at some things in preparation for uh, our time together, and saw that you were a Paul P A W Paul Journey Ambassador. That's right. Explain that because I, I think that goes right along with what you're saying about Debo. 
Yeah, so that was along with all those things being he wanted a program within the program that was made for building the young people as men mm-hmm. and not just as football players. And that's what Paul Journey was. So he hired Jeff Davis, which he played at Clemson, was a famous Clemson football right. player. I'm pretty sure he played in the league for a little bit, not 100% sure, but he pastored a local church in Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, but he hired him uh, to be like the life coach, and then he hired other people to to help in like life skills development, uh, career opportunities, um, local nonprofit stuff. That Paul Journey was doing all that. They were okay. making sure we were set up for internships, um, to just have a heart to heart conversation that that with somebody that wasn't necessarily a coach, but just truly cared about your overall well being and how you were doing as a person. And that's what Paul Journey was. So Paul Journey, um, it was something that I wanted to get involved with in as early as possible. And it, along with Coach Sweeney and all his principles, um, Paul Journey gave the players an opportunity to figure out what else they were good at. Mm. And so I loved it for that reason. Gotcha. Does Paul stand for anything? Uh, passionate about winning. Passionate about winning. Okay. That's right. And the process you're talking about, the journey. Uh, I think back to uh, which some of the things you've said, some of the things you haven't said, I just happen to know, uh, but I want to share with our listeners. You started out as a walk-on and your scout team, right. right? And you're, there are 85 guys that, you know, it, people were in all of their skills just a few months ago, right? right? And maybe they're in all of their skills now, but you're walking around with these 85 guys that are getting paid to play football, paid through their college tuition at the time. Uh, Now we'll talk about NIL in just a second, but um, they are, they were highly sought after. Their mama didn't, chase Dabo down at a at a, a seven on seven league and say, Hey, let me tell you how good my son is. Uh but you also have a group of, of guys that are walk ons and there you know, I've heard this from plenty of guys that have walked on a football team at any level and said, you know, for a period of time I'm a, I'm just a tackling dummy. Or I'm I'm you know, I'm you know, whatever it is. But you get beat up day in, day out Absolutely. with with no payoff, quote unquote payoff for it. But your journey your Paul journey uh, went from being a walk-on to being you earned a scholarship. That was your what year did you get your scholarship? After my third season. After your third yes, season, sir. so uh, Coach Coach Sweeney called you in and said you've earned you've That's earned. Right. A, let's pause right there in your journey. Tell us what that was like to have been a walk-on. You know, for three years you just got beat up and beat up and never really literally you had to pay your you had to pay to get beat up yeah right so or maybe your parents had to pay to, for you to get beat up but what was that like to feel to have Dabo say you've earned this it was it was it was a moment there, there are times in life that you can look back there are a lot of things in life that we forget but there are some things in life some particular moments that you'll never, ever, ever forget. Right. And that was one of them for me. Um, I had been at Clemson. It had been a dream for me to be at Clemson. I'd been there for three years grinding on scout team. Um, and that is about as blue collar as it gets, yeah. especially with Coach Venables running the helm. <laughs> and there are often times that Coach Venables will literally be the scout team quarterback for weeks on end because he wants things so particular in his way. Hmm. And so if you do – he might be looking the other way and throw the pass the other way, but if you run the wrong route on the other side, somehow he sees it. He won't even be looking at you, but yeah. somehow he knows uh-huh. because he knows it so well. Sure. And so he'll have you up, down, and he'll have you running. He'll yeah. make you reload the play five times in a row. And so you're doing all this kind of stuff. And like you said, a tackling dummy during individual periods where we're working on skills and stuff. During the fall camp, you, you get to be with the receivers and everything, but whenever the season starts – the scout team receivers go and have to be the tackling dummies for the defensive backs. Mm. And so we're literally rolling around on the ground working on like blocking drills on our DBs so they can shed blocks and everything while our receivers are down there running routes on air with the QBs and catching yeah. passes. I'm like, I hate this. <laughs> like, what is this? I did not sign yeah. up for this. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, if you're going to be – if you're in a tough situation at, at the bottom of a totem pole – you have to be willing to play the long game. And that mm-hmm. was something that I was so committed to. Yeah. And I wasn't going to fold. Um, it was hard, and there were times where I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. But it, but just keep, in, keep on waking up and going back to it and, and being willing to put in the extra, that's what ultimately makes the difference. And yeah. so 
Um, with that being said, we had it was after our third season. I'm pretty sure that was we had we had just lost to LSU in the national championship. And I am trying. I'm at my roommate's or one of my friends' apartment, and we're trying to plan a spring break trip. And I get a call from Coach Sweeney, and immediately in my mind, I'm like, "What did I do? Mm. Did I did I do something I shouldn't have? Yeah. Am I about to get chewed out?" <laughs> I was I was literally freaking out, like trying to run like a, a replay in my mind to figure out what I had done to get in yeah. trouble. And I was like, "I don't think there's anything." So I answer the call, and he's like, "Will Brown." And tells me everything and that they're going to put me on scholarship and everything and all this stuff. And mm. so, uh, I just remember breaking down and crying and calling my parents and telling them and just freaking out. Yeah. And so I was, I was really excited and obviously it meant more to me just having been through it for three years and being a Clemson guy my whole life, my whole family was super pumped. So mm. incredible moment. I'll never forget. So you go from a walk on to getting that call from coach Sweeney. You've earned this. And then your senior year, uh, you are selected captain. That's right. Um, having been around some sports programs in the past and and uh, having played through college myself, that's not always the case that you pick a walk on to be your team captain. Uh, that is a that's I think I think one of the mistakes that we as a culture uh, sometimes we as coaches of younger people and certainly younger athletes get caught up in thinking it's all about the sport, you know, my, my performance in the sport. And I think this is part of what uh, we talked about a second ago, when you began to make your own relationship with Jesus, your own, and it didn't matter about your performance. It didn't matter. You know, your identity was in Christ for athletes. This is a an extremely easy trap to fall into, but my identity comes wrapped be, becomes wrapped up in how I perform. Um, and so, therefore, if that's the case, and if you're if you're thinking leader of some really good players, well, you've got to be a really good player yourself. And you earned a scholarship, yes, but I mean your your stats or uh, your career stats were a little underwhelming. They were right. Uh, and yet your teammates selected you as a former walk-on, someone who had just earned a scholarship, to be captain your senior year. Tell us about that. So going through Clemson, um, I had always tried to be super intentional about loving people, about caring for people, about making sure that um, that I was doing everything that I could to be a genuine human being. Mm -hmm. and, and at the end of the day, that's all that really matters is how much we can add value to people right. and how well we can – bring people up with us. And so that was always my intention. From a football perspective, maybe I couldn't bring people up. I tried to every day on scout team sure. with A.J. Terrell and Trayvon Mullen, all these guys that are crushing in the league. I yeah. did everything that I could to try to make bring them up from a football perspective and make sure that they were ready. Um, but from a man and spiritual perspective, that was always my goal too. Mm. And so but I was really able to hone in on that my senior year. And I'll try to be as quick with this as possible, but I feel like my actually this is my fifth year not my senior year um my whole perspective on life and everything just changed very quickly so it was our second day of 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 fall camp um we're not even in full pads we have these small pads on mm -hmm. we're in shorts um we're doing one-on-ones and this mind you this is this is my last season of ever playing ball I wasn't mm -hmm. going to try to do a pro day or anything to try yeah. to play in the league. I was like, this is it. I'm, I'm ready to do something else. I love the game, but I'm ready to, for the transition. Yeah. So I'd already decided that this is my last go at it. I'd had a great spring ball, like had played better than I ever had during the this, this spring before. So I was very confident going into the season that I'm ready, that this might be a season where I'm going to have some opportunity to actually play. And it's the second day of fall camp and we're in one-on-ones and, and I'm running a dig route, which is a 10-yard and in. Yeah. Very basic, nothing crazy about it. But when I catch it, uh, the defensive back comes over my back and, and kind of falls on me, and I sprain my AC joint. Mm -hmm. And Your shoulder. It, my shoulder, yes, listen. sir. Yeah. In my shoulder, that's right. And so um, if anyone's ever had any AC joint pain, then then it's it's a struggle, especially mm -hmm. if you're trying to catch passes and, and sure. get the thing and block and do all that kind of stuff. You can't do a whole lot with a sprained AC joint. And so very early on, I had a ton of faith that I was I was going to get healed up quick. I was going to be fine. But whenever you get in the thick of that really tough moment, that's when you really figure out who you are and what you're made of. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
if you're hurt at Clemson, then you're out on the side, you're in a yellow jersey, so everybody knows you're hurt. Everybody's asking you what's wrong, when you're going to be back, all right. that stuff, which is driving you crazy. Um, but you're with the trainer and one of the strength coaches, and you're doing all kinds of stuff to hopefully try to get back soon. and Rehabbing. Rehabbing, yeah. 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 And there was a young freshman, um, I'm not going to say his name, but had played the same position as me, and he had sprained his ankle mm. same period of time. Okay. And this guy was – very, very talented coming out of high school, but wasn't somebody that was necessarily prepared to play at this level mm-hmm. um, right away. Um, is an incredible talent, like I said, but just from a mental perspective, wasn't quite there yet. Sure. And so for me, when I had first hurt my shoulder, I was very, very frustrated because I'm like, this is my last opportunity to show the coaches, to show everybody that I can play this year. And so mm-hmm. I literally ended up missing the entire fall camp. But during that process... I was able to spend time with this young guy and and nurture his heart and teach him the playbook and teach him what it meant to be at Clemson and to care about who you are as a person and to learn how to play the game the right way. Mm. Because a lot of people, they come out of high school and they're the big shot. They yeah. know they think they know how to do everything, but you get to Clemson and you get humbled very quickly if that's mm-hmm. your mindset. And so that was something that I was able to teach him from very early on. And so I'm literally the entire practice, I'm – I'm standing with him, walking him through plays, coaching everything, showing him signals, all that kind of stuff, and investing in his heart. Hmm. And then so from that, I hurt my shoulder. Um, and then I, w- whenever we kind of get into kind of the punt return story, I- I'll kind of finish the rest of that. But um, that's when I had really decided that this last year was going to be more so about the people around me than hmm. it was about me. And so – um, although it was very frustrating for me at the time to miss my last fall camp and last yep. opportunity to show the coaches, I was able to uh, build a relationship with a young guy that is still standing strong today. Mm. So. It, it's about perspective uh, because nobody likes to be injured. And I've been around a lot of athletes through the years, and almost always uh, when they they have a, a, a – moment uh, a, a season a small season not a full you know uh, season you play but uh, a small season in their life where they're hurt they're they find out maybe their identity was in their performance and it shouldn't be or isn't really and uh, in in some instances it's when that's when people come to know Jesus because they realize it's not all about them they're not Superman they're not um, invincible and there's something more to this. Uh, or what you're talking about is you begin to see what seems like a setback, what seems like an awful time that nobody would choose. No athlete chooses to be hurt. But that was an opportunity for you to pour in somebody else. Right. And that's a that's an incredible perspective. And what, to kind of go back, to that what really set up that moment, I second day of fall camp, actually, the year before, no, not the, my sophomore year, I tore my hamstring. Mm. And so missed all of fall camp my sophomore year. And we're literally down scrimmaging in Death Valley. And if you're hurt, you're running stadiums. Mm-hmm. And so it's 95 degrees in the middle of August. Mm-hmm. And I'm running stadiums by myself with a torn hamstring, which <laughs> that sounds terrible in, yeah. it, in itself. And so I'm just crying and asking God, like, what am I here for? Why? Yeah. Like, what? What? Am I even in the right place? Did I do the right thing? Hmm. And so from that, uh, that ultimately ended up preparing me for the moment that I had because maybe I got hurt for a reason um, then so that it, that would prepare me for yeah. in my fifth year to take somebody under my wing and to be around somebody that I normally wouldn't be around if I wasn't hurt. So I know that this has happened many times in my life, but I come to a moment where I look back and I think, man, God is smarter than I am, <laughs> you know, more. and, and you're able, you're, you're able to take one injury and compare it to one, two years ago when you're thinking, what, am I even in the right place? Am I yeah. doing the right thing? And it was preparation for what was to come. Yeah. And that's a, that's a perspective changer. Well, you mentioned the punt return. Let's, let's go ahead and finish this story. Uh, and you, so your senior year, you're hurt, uh, hurt shoulder, you missed all fall camp. You're, but your team captain talks through the rest of it so they actually don't end up voting on the team captain until the end of the year and so mm. that was that that too was a journey in itself and i'll kind of explain how okay. we we all got there um so i remember 
I had got back healthy. Um, my AC joint had healed up. I was fine. We're playing South Carolina State, and I thought that I was going into the game. I was expecting to play a good bit because I was assuming we'd we'd run them out the stadium, right. we'd run up the score on them, and I'd get to play a good bit. Well, going into the game, um, or it, we're well into the game, and I hadn't played quite as much as I thought. I was getting super frustrated with myself, and then not with myself, but just with the situation sure. that I wasn't able to get in yeah and as the game kept going coach Sweeney came to me and said that I was going to get an opportunity at punt return and to go back and return punts uh, at the end of the game because they like to try to give other people some opportunity and and had you ever done this uh, yeah I'd, I'd done it in high school and then I'd done it a couple times okay. throughout the year and years past and okay. so I'd done it some but not a ton right and I remember like literally every single time that I, it was like it'd be third and ten, third and thirteen, third and fifteen, and their their little quarterback would would rush for like one yard more than than what they needed to get the first down, and I was getting so frustrated during the game because they weren't that, punting because they weren't punting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I would have had so many opportunities to do it, and I was just getting so mad. I was like, "What's the problem?" Yeah, and I remember I finally got to go in at, at receiver, and I run a comeback route. And they throw it to me, and it's a low ball, and I slide for it, and I end up dropping it. And so I'm furious with myself yeah. at this point. Yeah. And so I'm so mad. I want to do something good. I want to be able to show the coaches, the players, the fans, every everybody that I could, I belong, that yeah. I could play and everything. And so finally I get an opportunity at punt return. Mm-hmm. They're, they're ready to punt, and I, my, my feet are backed up on the 10-yard line, so I'm right next to their end zone. And so if I drop it, not not good. Right. And so before I go out, Coach Spiller is tells me to call a fair catch. And so in my mind, I'm like, I don't get these opportunities all the time. I'm not calling a fair catch. Right. I'm gonna see what I can do. Yeah. And so I go out there. Th- and I'm a punt returner, not yeah. a punt fair catcher. That's right. right? Okay, and so yeah. I was so frustrated because I'm like, this is my one opportunity. I'm. They've been getting all these first downs. I'm. I'm gonna try to return this. See what I can do. And so they punt it. And and I catch it and get tackled immediately. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing there. And I come back to the sideline and Coach Spiller's like, "Did you not hear me? Like, what's the deal?" And I was like, "Honestly, Coach Spiller, I respect you a ton, but for me, I don't get opportunities like everybody else does. This is my last year to play. I want to see what I could do." And lo and behold, looking back on it, I didn't know the reasoning for him telling me to do that. Okay. And uh, what had happened was they had called a play. It's called safe return, mm-hmm. uh, where everybody kind of fakes like they're rushing and they hold up and they don't block anybody. And the reason he told me to call a fair catch is because nobody was being blocked. Everybody was just running straight at me. And right. to, in my mind, Will Brown trying to control the situation sure. and, and do what I want to do, I didn't know the big overall picture. And this is where late star faith journey as well, that when I try, whenever I try to take things into my own hands and do it mm. my own way and not listen to, to God or our parents or who's ever above us, Good things don't happen. Right. And so I was able to really see that, and I was just so frustrated with myself. I'm, like, tearing up on the sideline. Coach mm. Spiller's mad at me. He's, like, getting mad at me for not calling a fair catch and was telling me he was firing me. And at that point, I was just, like, just so mad with yeah. myself, the whole situation. So the next morning, I am journaling some and just reflecting. I'm like, Lord, why does this happen? Like, I feel like every time I'm right on the verge of a breakthrough with Clemson football, mm. something bad happens, and yeah. I – don't do well or can't show people what I can do or just something happens so it doesn't go through. And I'm talking right. to my roommate, and he's like, maybe the Lord's just working on your heart, and he wants to get your heart in the right place before he wants to bless you with any of that. You mm-hmm. never know. And so I go to church that 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 same morning because the game was on Saturday, right. Sunday morning. Dan Leanne's speaking, and he's talking about the difference of striving versus abiding. Mm. And just broke it all down, how striving I'm constantly trying to do more and do more and get more for myself and uh, do too much versus abiding, which is just like resting in the love of Jesus Christ. Hmm. And I broke down. I was like, that's exactly what I was doing the day before Hmm. in the game. I was super frustrated. Not super. I was super frustrated with myself the day before, but I felt the Lord give me a lot of freedom because Hmm. I was given a lot of clarity on what actually happened. So the following week... um, I'm just kind of resting through all that and kind of figuring that out. And the Lord had broken me down. was starting to build me back up. We play at NC State. It might have been a couple weeks later. And we get beat by NC State, obviously. And I remember being out by the buses 
after the game, and I'm very frustrated because we had lost. Season's not looking good. Yeah. And I'm talking to my parents, and my mom and dad are like, go talk to Coach Grish, go talk to Coach Sweeney, let him, let, tell him to let you play, like all this stuff. And, and that's when I was like, Maybe you needed Tracy to go remind. Dabo I know. I needed of of the seven on seven days, <laughs> and so that's when I was like, "Mom, honestly, like if you could pray for anything, be praying that I would be able to have an opportunity to pour into the people around me, to love the people around me. I want to finish up really well hmm. from a loving perspective than I do about a football perspective. I'd finally put it past me. I was like, if I don't play another down at Clemson, I want to make a difference. Yeah, and so. I'd settle with that in my mind. I felt like I was at peace. I was like, I'm okay with not playing. I'm going to pour into and love the people around me. And then the following week, we play Boston College Mm -hmm. at home. Uh, It's a night game. And, like, first first drive of the game, Will Taylor was the punt returner. He tears his ACL. So then they put Justin Ross back there. And a couple – he he does one punt return and – Nothing nothing crazy happened, but he ended up getting a concussion. Mm. So he came out as well. And then so I'm next in line. And this is remind this is the week after the NC State, after I was like totally content, like, Lord, I'm I'm totally cool not playing. Just help me to make a difference. Right. And they're like, Will Brown, you're up. And so I'm returning punts against Boston College in a night game in Death Valley. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. This was one of my coolest moments of of my Clemson career. Um they, Clemson always does a fourth quarter video, and so I'm they're punting right before the fourth quarter, and so I'm standing out on the field by myself in the middle of the field, waiting for the punt return while they're the, the fourth quarter video is playing, and it's just mm. like chills, like yeah. everybody's going crazy, sure. lights are on, like dark in the sky, and then they punt it to me, I catch it and have like a 15 yard return, and just went crazy. It was incredible. But with the, all that being said, I had the job catching punts for the rest of the season uh-huh. and it ended up being an incredible journey and story for me played played a lot more at wide out before but for me it took me getting it settled in my heart that I was okay with not playing before the Lord was ready to bless me with all that giving it up to and it was literally the week before I I told my parents I'm done with all this mm. like literally pray that I can make a difference in the lives of the people around me and then just like that the Lord changed everything and I got an opportunity to start I start, I'm I'm pouring into people, I'm loving people, and then by the end of the season, I get voted on as a captain mm-hmm. by the rest of my teammates. And so it's just a cool story for me and something that I'll never forget because I saw um, the difference in striving versus abiding and mm-hmm. just letting the Lord do his thing and have his way. Sorry, that was long-winded. No, that's good. God honors those who honor him. There are Clemson fans listening, okay? So both for a Clemson fan, but just in general— you know, oh, Will was a walk-on. He caught a handful of passes while he was there. He returned punts for four or five games at the end of his senior year. But you can say something that not many people can say in the history of the game. You caught passes from the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. That's right. Right? So it's important for a quarterback to have a good relationship with his receivers and to understand their ins and outs. But you and Trevor – Y'all had a deeper relationship with that. Talk talk about that for a few minutes. Yeah, so Trevor and I really started our relationship. He was there that first spring, and uh, something that I'll never forget, just a little side story. Uh, we were in our first spring, and, and I'm in there with Trevor because he hadn't worked up with, like, the ones or twos yet. I was probably in the group that was running with the threes, and and Trevor rolls out. It's a little bootleg, and, and I'm running across the field, and he throws me a, a laser, and I catch it and get absolutely destroyed. He threw me right into <laughs> one of our corners. And so that kind of really started our relationship. Um, but either way, we had kind of talked whenever it came to summer. We talked about wanting to try to go play golf. And he was, at the time, going through something really tough, and I had previously went through a similar type situation that mm-hmm. was tough. And so – very early on, we were able to relate to one another on a completely different level than a service-level football-based relationship. Mm. We had that deep spiritual connection from very early on, and that's been what really founded our relationship for the rest of his time at Clemson and the rest of my time at Clemson. And so um, from then on, um, I was able to really see uh, who Trevor Lawrence really is. Mm. And, And so many people see him as this long-haired dude that can throw a football unlike anybody they've ever seen. But yeah. for me, being able to see Trevor as a human being and that he's literally 
like me, but just freakishly talented, <laughs> or like any any of sure. us. He's a normal human being with right. normal feelings and normal emotions and normal struggles and trying to pursue the Lord in his own way and, and, and everything. And so being able to see uh, the ins and outs of who he is while he's absolutely destroying defenses mm-hmm. on, a, on a weekly basis, um, it was cool because he, he never changed. Hmm. Trevor's a guy that is totally content with sitting with a table full of walk-ons as he is with sitting at a table with Christian Wilkins and Clayton Farrell and, and all those guys. Yeah. And so – that's that's who Trevor is. That's that's what I was able to see, and and that's why I loved being able to be close to him um, yeah. because he was so much more than a football player. And everybody's being able to see that now as as he's with the Jags and everything. And so, and you you were in his wedding, right? I was, yeah. yes, sir. And so, did you guys talk through this season? Yeah, we did. We did. We weren't able to talk quite as much as as I would have liked, just because yeah. of his crazy schedule and everything. Sure. And and mind playing ball as well, but we were able to talk a couple of times a month, and obviously the Jag season didn't go quite as planned, right. but um, he's made of the right stuff. He'll, yeah. he'll get it worked out, and um, I think he had a good relationship with Urban, but obviously just wasn't a good fit for the Jags. Yeah. So. And has he told you anything? Because I know somebody's listening wants to know what's his outlook on the next couple of seasons and – um, have y'all talked about that at all? Yeah, he he he's feeling very confident about it. They're finally getting some good pieces in there. I'm um, getting Doug Peterson in there too. Yeah, um, who was a, is a Super Bowl winning coach for the Eagles. Sure, like they've got the right pieces, and he's made of the right stuff. And what makes Trevor so good is that he is not. We t- we've talked about identity some, and Trevor's identity is not wrapped up in anything of this world in football and mm. the fame. Like Trevor Lawrence is the same guy. Um, with or without all those things, and that's what makes him so special, and that's what's going to make him uh, a Peyton Manning, a Tom Brady, an Aaron Rodgers type. Uh, if 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 people don't count him out, he's gonna he's gonna do really good things, and I'm excited to see mm-hmm. how it plays out. All right, so uh, quickly, you were you were all ACC academic selection off four years. That's right, and uh, or five years, I guess, and uh, we'll thank. Uh, Mama Brown for that. Come on, Tracy. Uh, yeah, take my phone again. That's um, right. But so you're a sharp guy. I, I would like your opinion, having lived through it a season. Uh, what are your thoughts on name, image, likeness? And for those that those of you to listen may not know, it's it's been uh, just but right before last school year, the NCAA passed a rule that you could be paid for anything using your name, your image, or your likeness. Um, commercials, jerseys, whatever it might be. Um, how has that affected the game, uh, the guys in the game, like the you know, student-athletes? Uh, are they even student-athletes anymore? You know, that kind of question. Um, just talk briefly about NIL. Yeah, everything is a good thing in moderation, in my opinion. Sure. But whenever it's um, used to the extreme, it could, could become a very – slippery slope mm-hmm. and from my perspective um it gives guys an opportunity to to use their skill and to use their talent off the field uh to make some money which i think can be a really healthy good thing for young people that need to need to pay bills and to sure. need to pay for their phone and their car and all this stuff a lot of the young people that i was around that are really good football players they might not come from a whole lot and right. so for me i was fortunate enough to have parents that that helped me financially through college sure but a lot of these guys aren't like they're trying to pay for their car they're trying to pay for car insurance they're trying to pay for food like all this stuff and so yeah. this gives guys an opportunity to one either send money back home to mom and dad or to whoever and then to also kind of look out for themselves a little bit and so if used in the right context it can be a really really good thing for some people um, but it has to be used in the right context. And um, a lot of young people aren't super mature when it comes to handling money sure. and using money. And so I think that can also be a very slippery slope and that uh, young people that haven't really established themselves and who they are and their identity and, and their motivation to be good on the field, the guys that haven't established that yet who are now trying to make a ton of money who haven't really done anything on the field. Right. It becomes more so about making money than it does about being good at football mm-hmm. and developing yourself as a individual. And so it it's it's very um 
it's a it's a situation that is good for some people and not good for others right. because when it comes it can quickly become everything for some people sure and so do you think it has a long-term negative effect on the game i think it could yeah, yeah. i mean i think if 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 they can get some laws and some things in place that regulate it right i don't i don't know what that looks like sure. um but I think if they can get some good things in place, then yes, it definitely could um, harm the game. But I also think it could, like I said earlier, could be a really good thing for some of the players that that need money. And yeah. and I mean, this country was built on capitalism, so right. being able to to make some money for yourself yeah. can be a good thing if used and, in the right and way. And just so people that are listening understand, you're not talking about making when you talk about these guys that don't come from much and they need to make money. You're not talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. You're talking about, you know. A couple thousand dollars a month to be able to pay for the bills that you have and right. and that that sort of thing because i i remember guys i went to school with that um i mean I, my car cost fifteen hundred dollars of course that was back when cars didn't cost as much as they do now but i, I remember i had a used car it cost me fifteen hundred dollars i paid it off myself um and you know we we didn't we we ate in the cafeteria every day and right. you know to save money we didn't have a daily stipend we played at a, l- a lower level obviously and and so there are guys that are constantly there there are there are things that that kids have to deal with student athletes have to deal with that don't aren't necessarily covered by their scholarship right and that's what you're referring to not just hey I'm going to get the bling and I'm going to get the fancy cars and the sad thing is though they're they're not necessarily sad but the the slippery slope comes when there are certainly people that do make hundreds of thousands of dollars kind of depending on how well they can brand themselves and everything so i mean it's it's if if using the right context again can right. be a good thing, but if if the young people and if the programs don't have uh, people in place to help these young people manage their money and use it wisely, then it could it could be a, a bad thing. Well, uh, you, you said something a little while ago that I think sums up this entire series that we've been doing and using your instrument and playing it skillfully for God's glory. You said, and it was a beautiful picture of the. Uh, the, the, the NC State game, so you're so frustrated, and I just don't know if I'm going to get to play. And then Sunday morning, you just give everything to God. Hey, I just want to make a difference where I am. And if that's on the field, fine. If it's with the guys that are on the field, fine. Um, you used your platform, used your gifts, your skills, your abilities, and intentionally determined, I'm going to make a difference in the lives of people around me with these gifts and skills. And that's... That's the picture of us being who God's called us to be. Uh, he's given us those gifts. He's given us those skills. Uh, Psalm 139.13 says he knit us together in our mother's womb. You're 5'8", I'm 6'5". He prepared you for a different game than he prepared me, right? But he knit us together in our mother's womb. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's handiwork, or depending on the translation, craftsmanship or masterpiece or poetry. He's designed us specifically uh, and it says the rest of that verse says created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. And so God's crafting us. You used the word prepare uh, earlier. God's crafting us. He's preparing us for what is to come. Your first hamstring injury prepared you to make a difference in that teammate's life when you hurt your shoulder two years later. And God's got his hand on us before we were born and all the way through the day we die. Mike Cicado said this, he made you on purpose for a purpose. So I say all that to say this, God wants our very best. He's equipped each of us specifically for the task that he's put in front of us. Thank you, Will, for your time and for being willing to use your skill set for the kingdom. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. As a reminder, we will release these podcasts the first and third Tuesdays of every month. If you're brand new to the podcast, go back and check out episode one so you can learn a little bit more about Impact Sports, what we do, but more importantly, and Will brought this up, why we do it. If you'd like to hear more from us, we are now sending out a weekly email devotional called Thoughts from Outside the Boat. If you'd like to sign up to get those weekly, go to utterlyamazed.com. You can sign up right there on the homepage. You can also pre-order the study guide written to accompany the book Utterly Amazed Stories from Outside the Boat. The study guide will be coming out in June. Please share this podcast with anyone you think may be interested and then subscribe and review wherever you get your podcast. 
find out more about Impact Sports, you can go to impactsportsonline.org or you can follow us on social media, Impact Sports INT on Instagram and Impact Sports International on Facebook. We'll see you next time on I Say All That to Say This.